Hello and welcome to the podcast of Chesbro Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, this morning we're going to continue on with our Christmas series entitled The Original Christmas Playlist. The third message in this series is entitled The Angel's Song. So I hope you enjoy today's message. Luke chapter number two this morning. Uh, We've been a little bit of a Christmas series this morning, the original Christmas playlist. We've talked about Mary's song, Zachariah's song, and this morning we're going to talk about the angel's song, Luke chapter 2, and a very familiar passage of scripture when it comes to Christmas time, and uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 8, we're going to read down to verse number 14. The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the sea of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray one last time. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd clear our hearts and minds this morning. Prepare us to, to receive your word. Prepare us to receive the truth that we'll glean from your word. And I pray that you'd be with our service today. May it bring us all closer to you. For as it's in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. So anybody that knows me, I'm a, uh, knows, me knows I'm a sucker for Christmas. I've got a, a lot of traditions. Uh, you know, I put the lights up every year. I've got my little cross. I put that up for the past five or six years in the, every yard that I've had. And, and uh, there are just certain things that, certain things that uh, I do. Um, I like uh, Christmas music. And so uh, when I lived in Memphis, we had a Christmas station. It was 104.5 The River. And every December they played nothing but Christmas music. And so uh, when I moved away, that was about the time smart time smartphones uh, came about, and now I can get an app on my phone, and I can listen to that Christmas station in Memphis. I can listen to it anywhere, and so that's what I've been listening to, listening to my Christmas station in Memphis, because they play the best Christmas music, and uh, there are certain shows that we watch. Um, we watched, you know, the other night, me and my family watched Elf, you know, Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? And, uh, you know, we watch things like that, and we got the Polar Express that we're going to watch. But one thing that's been a tradition ever since I was a kid, and I can always remember doing, is watching a Charlie Brown Christmas. And uh, you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas, and, and then you read this passage of Scripture, and I, every time I read this passage of Scripture, I close my eyes, and I can hear Linus, I can hear him quoting these verses. I can hear him as he stands up to teach Charlie Brown the true meaning of Christmas so you, you know, it's not the artificial trees, Charlie Brown. It's it, this is what it's about. And Charlie st- and, and and Linus stands up and he reads this portion of scripture. That's what I always think about when I read this per- portion of scripture. Here is Linus and his speech. But you know, the sh- for the shepherds that night, it was just a normal night. 
the shepherds, it was probably a cool evening and they were out and they were doing their job and they were, uh, they, maybe they had just ate supper or maybe they had gathered around the fire. Maybe some of them were out tending to the sheep and for them it was just a normal night. They weren't doing anything special. They weren't doing anything extraordinary. <coughs> they were just out there doing their job. They were providing for their family. That's what they were doing. They were out there in that field and the angels showed up and the angel told him this message. And the, and the angel told them that the Messiah was coming. They, he appeared and told them of the coming Messiah. And the shepherds, it's funny here, the shepherds were told the Lamb of God was coming. So they told the shepherds that the Lamb of God was coming. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take just a few minutes. I want to go through these verses here. I want to pick some things out. One thing in particular a little later on. But if you look here, it says in verse number 10, it says, They have good tidings of great joy. You know what good tidings are? Good tidings, it means good news. Can you think of something else that means good news? The gospel. The gospel means, the, means good news. So, the, so that's what Christ is bringing. Christ is bringing this good news, this great news, which is the gospel, which will give us great joy. The gospel brings us joy. Then it goes on. It says, which shall be to all people. Hey, hey, this Messiah is not coming just for the Jews. This gospel is not coming just for the Jews. It's coming for the Gentiles, too. It's coming for everybody. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is for everybody. It's not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles as well. Verse number 11 for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is the fulfillment of a prophecy. Prophecy found in Micah chapter, chapter 5, verse number 2. It says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, that though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. You know what? I have a problem. I, I don't understand Jewish people today, they have the Old Testament. They read, that's in that, they read that all the time. But yet they can't look at, forget the New Testament, you can't look at history and read that verse in the Old Testament and tell me that Jesus isn't the Messiah. I don't understand that, how they can have the Old Testament because the Old Testament is, is nothing but a magnifying glass on Christ. He's throughout every book of the Old Testament. All the prophecies are about Jesus Christ, but they can't see it. Maybe they don't want to see it. But I seek Jesus in the Old Testament. So this is a prophecy that he'll be born in Bethlehem. Going on uh, verse number 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now why was he in swaddling clothes? He was in swaddling clothes because... He was a baby and he needed to be swaddled, okay? He needed, uh, he, he needed to be felt warm. He had just come out of his mother's womb and he, to, for him to be comfortable, he needed to be put up in a little warm little ball and be swaddled like a baby. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus, when he came down here, he was 100% man. Now, let me tell you something. He wasn't 50% God and 50% man. No, no, no. 
Those numbers may apply to me and you, but they don't apply to God. He was 100% God, and he was 100% man. 100% man. My Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was just like me and you. He felt the same things we felt. Hey, he didn't have a sin nature, but that was the only difference. Hey, he got sick. He knew what it was like to lose a loved one. Jesus knew what it was like to be tempted to sin. Did you know that? Did you know Jesus was tempted for fornication? Jesus was tempted in adultery? Did you know that? Oh, but I thought he was sinless. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. Everybody's tempted. Jesus, the Bible says, he was tempted in all points like us. But he never sinned. Because it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. Hey, you know what? He was just like me and you. He was 100% man. You know what it says next? It says he was lying in a manger. He was lying in a manger. Man, this is the creator. This is the creator. This is the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. This is the one who, who just said a word and, and matter appeared from nothingness. This was the person who had the breath of life. He literally breathed life into man. We had no life without him. And where is he right now? He's in a feed trough. He's in a feed trough. Why? Because Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself to come down here and be with me and you. Left the throne of heaven, came down here to be with me and you. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus was just like me and you. He was just like me and you. He had come down. He had humbled himself. He was just like us. Let's look at the verse, next two verses, uh, verse 13, first part of verse number 14. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Did you know that the plan of redemption brings glory to God? Did you know that the gospel message, the plan of redemption, is designed to express glory to God? And that's what Jesus had come to do. When he came down with this plan of redemption, the whole purpose was to, was to express glory to the Lord. And you see what the angels said right there? They said glory to God in the highest. God is on a plane higher than the angels. He's on a plane above where the angels are. So the angels are looking up to God and say, Glory to you in the highest up there where we can't even go. You are so great. You are greater than us. Glory to God in the highest. But you know what? This next part is very interesting. And you know me. I love things that are interesting. 
This next part, it says, glory to God in the highest. And then it says, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace. Peace. It was a commercial I saw when I was a kid. As soon as I start to talk about it, you'll immediately know what I'm talking about. There was these elderly ladies, and they were huddled around this hamburger. And they looked, and they said, oh, it's a big bun. It's a big fluffy bun. And then uh, there, this, this, this older lady they, they took off the bun, top bun, and there was a itty bitty little disc. And one of the ladies, she adjusted her glasses and looked. She looked up and said, where's the beef? Where's the beef at? Where is it at? We all, we all saw that commercial when I saw that commercial when I was a kid. Where is the beef? Well, here's my question to you. Where's the peace? Where's the peace at? Jesus is supposed to, he's, the angel said, peace on earth. Really? Do I look around and do I see peace today? I don't see peace. I thought Jesus was supposed to bring peace. I can look at the Middle East. Do I see peace in the Middle East? No, I don't. Israel's in more turmoil now than perhaps they've ever been. There's no peace in the Middle East. We'll look around here even at home and we we see race riots. Even today, people fighting over race. Where's the peace at? Got political extremists. In, 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 in uh, Washington, D.C. and everywhere. Where's this peace at? Liberal snowflakes, picketing. Where's the peace at? I thought there was peace. Man, man's history is filled with violence and conflicts. Look at just the violence in our own country. I was looking at a post the other day about how many people... Had, how many Americans had died in all our wars? And it was amazing, staggering the numbers. And the biggest number was behind the Civil War. And a lot of Americans died in that war. Man, where, where's this peace at? I thought that, were the angels, were, were they playing a cruel joke on us? Were they just messing with us? Were they joking with us? Angels, are you, are, are, where's this peace at you're talking about? You're trying to give false hope to man? Where's the peace at, angels? You said on earth peace. Where's the peace at? We can all agree there's a moral sickness in our country. It's a moral sickness we're suffering from. And you know, it always seems to be that victory is always on the side of evil. Evil always wins, it seems like. Man, the outcome is perpetual unrest. That's the state our nation is in today. Today we have suffering. We have suffering today without relief. We have suffering today of poverty. We have suffering of sickness. And even Jesus said, Jesus said out of his own mouth, I am not come to bring peace. Really? Yeah, he did say that. Matthew 10, 34. Think not I am come to send peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. Jesus said, I'm not come to send peace. So where's it at, angels? Where's this peace you're telling me about? 
I'm looking around. I don't see it. Where's the peace at, angels? Where's the peace? Well, it depends what type of peace you're talking about. Now, if you're talking about what's called temporal peace, well, then you're right. There's nowhere to be found. We can't see that. We can't see temporal peace. We can't see that, it, that we can look around all we want to, that, but we can't see temporal peace because temporal peace is not the type of peace that Jesus, is, that Jesus brings. Temporal peace is a temporary, earthly, materialistic peace. And that is something that man is not going to find on this earth. When you, have a, when you have someone raise their glass and toast to, to, to peace on earth, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about no more wars. And they're talking about everybody put their guns down after we take them from you. And, 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 and they're talking about no more shootings. And, and, and that's the kind of peace they're talking about. Well, let me tell you something. They're not going to find that peace. They're not going to find it. Near the end, the Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Hey, you're not going to find temporal peace, not on this earth. That kind of peace might exist one day, but it's not going to be on this earth. It's going to be on the next one. You're not going to find that type of peace. That the, that the, that's the peace you're looking for. I'm sorry. You're out of luck. You're not going to find it. That kind of peace will not exist on this planet. It will not happen. Why? Because that's not the type of peace that Jesus brings. He doesn't bring temporal peace. Okay, what type of peace does Jesus bring? Jesus brings everlasting peace. Jesus brings spiritual peace. Jesus brings, uh, for lack of a better term, inner peace. I'm a little weary about using that term inner peace. I don't want to sound like a you know, secular self-help type deal. But that's what he can do for us. He can bring us that type of everlasting spiritual peace inside of us. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus brings. So the, the angels weren't necessarily lying to us. They weren't playing a joke on us. They weren't saying, hey, you're going to have a temporal peace on this earth. There's not going to be any more wars. There's not going to be any more shootings. Hey, you don't have to worry about that. The jails are going to be empty. That's not what they were talking about. They were talking about the type of peace that Jesus is going to bring. Okay, so let's explore that. Let's explore the type of peace that Jesus brings to us. I have three statements this morning about that everlasting peace. I have three statements this morning about the type of peace that that Christ child brought to us. Number one, here's the first statement. Peace is a gift. Peace is a gift. Turn your Bibles to John 14, 27. John 14, 27. We're going to be looking at this verse a lot this morning since we're talking about peace. We're talking about the peace that Christ is going to bring. John 14, 27. Because this here we see one of the things that the angels said Christ would bring is peace. Okay, so if he's going to bring peace, let's talk about peace for a minute. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now let's look at the phrase in that verse. It says, peace I, live, I leave with you. 
You know what this was? This was a common farewell amongst Jews. It was like saying bye or chow or toodaloo, you know? This was, a, this was a common farewell saying to the Jews. It was basically, it was just empty words, you know? It was just bye, see you later, you know, just kind of an empty wish. Didn't really have a lot of meaning behind it. But you see, here's the thing. It, didn't, it came from someone who has the power to make peace. Jesus has the power to make peace. Jesus has the power to give peace. So when Jesus say it, says it, it's not an empty wish. It's not just words. It actually means something. He has the power to give peace because he has the power to make peace. Okay? He says, you see, Jesus was a man who knew perfect peace. If anybody knew peace, it was Jesus Christ. We see that in his conflicts with the Pharisees. Time and time and time again, the Pharisees would come to Jesus and they try to corner him and they try to trip him on his words and they try to trick him. And time and time and time again, they would attack him and they would attack him. And what did Jesus do? Jesus just in peace, he spoke to him. Now, he was going sometimes he'd tell them they were vipers and he'd tell them what they could go do. But you know what? It's like he didn't reach back and deck them. Jesus had peace. Jesus was the one who knows peace. Hey, you know what? Every time Jesus had a spirit-filled, peaceful answer for those Pharisees. You know what? Uh, outside, he didn't rely on outside sources of peace. If, he'd arrived, uh, if he had relied on those religious leaders for peace, they wouldn't have offered him any peace. His peace had to come from the inside. That's where Jesus' peace had to come from. Hey, we all know, hey, Jesus was a peaceful guy. Hey, we all, well, what did he say in the storm, at the stormy sea? Jesus is in this boat, and it's getting rocked to and fro, and the disciples come down, and, and they said, Jesus, you've got to do something. What are we going to do? The, the, the storm's going to kill us. And he kind of woke up and, and rubbed his eyeballs, and, man, he was uh, disappointed in the lack of faith and because, after all, the Savior's in the boat. How is everybody going to die if the Savior's in the boat? But Jesus went up, and what did he say to the storm? He said, Peace be still. The rain stopped, the wind stopped, the clouds rolled back, and the sea was calm. Why? Because Jesus has power over peace. Jesus can make peace, and Jesus can give peace. Not only that, we see the excited scene of the trial. Jesus was on trial, and, and they were parading these false accusers in, and, and they were parading them in. And man, if you were in a, if you were in a courthouse... And you were sitting down, and somebody got up to testify against you, and they were bold-faced lying. Man, you'd be looking around, and man, it'd take everything, it'd take everything in yourself not to just stand up and shout out, Oh, you're lying, you're a liar. What did Jesus do? He just sat there. He just sat there. He knew it had to be done. Jesus was at peace, even though the whole world was against him. Hey, you know what, Christian? You're going to feel like that one day. You are going to feel like the whole world is against you. If you haven't felt it yet, and I guarantee you most of you have, you will. The whole world is going to feel like it's going to come down on you one day. 
And you're going to need peace at that time. Jesus found it. We can find it. You know what? He had peace even in death. Jesus was knocking on death's door. It was getting close. It was getting time. He knew he was going to die. And what did he say? He said, no man takes my life. I give it freely. Even in death, Jesus had peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. He's, he, it's his peace. It says so in John 14, 27. And look at that. It says, my peace. My peace. It means this type of peace can only come from Jesus Christ. It can only come from his person. It can only come from his power. It can only come from his provision. Jesus is the only one that can provide this peace. Because it's his to give. He brought peace with him. He brought it with him. It's not of this world. So this world can't experience peace. They don't know what it feels like. Because only Jesus can provide it. And, and, and because the world can't experience peace, you understand this morning that the world being unpeaceful makes me experience the peace of God. Brother, what are you talking about? Let me read you a verse. John 16, 33. Listen carefully. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This peace that we experience, it exists alongside trial and tribulation. It exists, and it's, it's two, two, two sides of the coin, okay? So peace exists at the same time trial and strife exists. You want to experience the peace of God in your marriage? Why don't you look at a marriage that doesn't have the peace of God? See how that's working out for them. Well, then you'll be able to experience the peace of God in your marriage. You want to experience the peace of God in your family? Look at a family that doesn't have the peace of God. You want to experience the peace of God in your life? Look at someone that doesn't have it. And you'll say, man, man, God is doing something with me. Man, I do experience a little. Man, I, I couldn't see it at first, but I'm looking out here and I'm looking at what the world has and I'm looking at all the turmoil they're in. I'm looking at all the tribulation they're in. I look at all the strife that husband and wife is going through. Man, I do have the peace of God in my life. There is something special about this thing because I'm not like that over there. I do have the peace of God. We have the peace of God as Christians, just sometimes we don't know it. Sometimes we can't experience it because we don't realize it's there. Just look at the world. Look at what they're going through. Look at the hell they're putting themselves through. You will then be able to appreciate the peace of God in your life, and you don't even know it. Hey, go, go comparison shopping for peace, and you'll see you had it all along. Hey, you know what? If I receive Jesus, I receive his peace. That's what I do. If I receive Jesus, I receive his peace. And in such, that means I am at peace, number one, with my Savior. I am at peace with my Savior because my soul is redeemed. 
I am redeemed. I am paid for. My destination is secure. It cannot be changed. I have a home in heaven right now. He's building a mansion for me. He's already called Lowe's and got in the lumber order. Okay? I have at peace with my Savior. Next, I'm at peace with my Heavenly Father. I'm at peace with my Heavenly Father because I can have a relationship with Him. Now that I have Jesus, now I can have a relationship with my Heavenly Father, and that puts me at peace. That, that, that puts me at peace. I can have a relationship with the one who created me. So I can have peace with my Savior, I can have peace with my Heavenly Father, and I can have peace within myself. You know why? Because you're born with a hole. You are born with a hole. You know what your hole is? It's a dead spirit. What are the three parts that make up a person? The body, flesh, you see it right here. The soul, which is the mind, the consciousness, that's what you hear me speaking right now for using this body to speak to you as my soul. And then you have your spirit. Your spirit is the part of you that communes with God. You're born as a sinner. You're born with a dead spirit. That's a big hole in your life. People try to fill this hole with all types of things. They try to fill this hole with drugs, and they try to fill this hole with alcohol. They try to fill this hole with lust. Some people even try to fill this hole with work, but they try to fill this hole. But it's like, you ever try, you're in a doctor's office, and you see those little shapes, and see this little kid trying to put a star inside of a circle hole? It's just not gonna fit. You can push it all in there, right? And it's not gonna go. Because Jesus is the only thing that can fill that hole. When you are saved, the Bible says your dead spirit is quickened. That's a fancy word for come alive. So when you get saved, your soul comes alive. And now you can commune with God. And now you have a relationship with God. And you can have peace within yourself because that big emptiness you felt... You don't feel it anymore because now your life has meaning and now your life has purpose because that hole is filled. Because when you receive Jesus, you receive his peace. So number one, peace is a gift. Number two, statement number two, the world cannot offer peace. The world can't offer you peace. I don't care how many summits politicians go to. I don't care how many treaties they sign, and I don't care how many laws they pass. They cannot offer you peace. You know what they can do? They can offer you the illusion of peace. Oh, they can sell you an illusion of peace, but they can't give you peace. You know what the world says you need for peace? Here's, here's what the world says you need for peace. Here's what you need. Number one, you need pleasure. Pleasure will bring you peace. You need fame. Fame will bring you peace. You need wealth. Wealth, surely wealth will bring you peace. Well, wealth isn't going to bring me peace. Now bring me a bass tracker. That it can do. But it's not going to bring me peace. Man, hey, wealth Fame, 
pleasure. That's what the world says you need. You can have one or all three. The more you have, the more peace you'll have. But see, here's the thing. Those things won't bring peace. Those things bring shame. Those things bring anxiety. Those things bring remorse. The world can give you a house. The world can't give you peace. The world can give you a high, but the world can't bring you peace. The world can give you money. The world can't bring you peace. The world can fulfill your lust, but the world cannot bring you peace. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one that can give you peace. Man, how many times do secular seminars offer inner peace. Even this Scientology, you know, I don't know about, I watched this Leah Remini in Scientology. I, it's very, very interesting. But Scientology says, oh, well, we can offer you peace. No, they can't. They can just sell you a storybook illusion of peace. They can sell, they can sell you a magic trick, but they cannot offer peace. Sometimes we can try to seek peace in our own personal relationships, okay? Sometimes spouses try to seek peace with their spouses, but you know, your spouse can only help you so much. Sometimes we try to seek peace with a personal long-time friend. It's good to have friends. It's good to have close friends that you can confide in, but guess what? There's only so much they can do. Sometimes they try to seek peace in an authority figure or spiritual leader. Let me tell you something. Don't try to seek your peace with me because I can't give you peace. I can't do it. I'm not the answer. Hey, you know what? You will not find peace in anybody other than in yourself through Christ. You can't rely on on an outward, external source of peace. The peace of God has to come from within you, and the source of that peace has to be Jesus Christ. Because if you try to get your, if you try to go shopping for peace in other places, if you try to go shopping for peace with other people, you're going to come up empty-handed. Peace has to come from within you. And it's put there by Christ. That's the only way you can truly be at peace. That's it. There is no other way. The world is for excitement, but Christ is the only real giver of peace. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which patheth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Statement number three, and I'm done. Statement number three, the duty of the recipient of peace. Once you receive the peace of God, you have a duty to fulfill if you want to keep it. Here's the duty of a recipient of peace. The last part of John 14, 27 says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hmm. You will notice in the word of God, a lot of times when we talk about peace, hand in hand, we also talk about fear. Because fear and peace, two sides of the same coin. Okay, they go together. 
like peas and carrots. That was my best Forrest Gump impression. That's all I got. And uh, so we have two sides of this coin here. We have, uh, we have peace and we have fear here. And in this verse, number 27, says there are two things in this ver- vor- verse that is the source of fear. We just talked about what the source of peace is. What's the source of fear? It says, first, it says internal. It's talking about the heart. So your, peer, your, your fear can come from your own heart. And then the external, everything on the outside. And also be a source of, be a source of fear. Hey, you know what? Uh, we're talking about in your life, in your marriage, in your work, in your relationships. All these can be a source of fear. Let me make this statement. If you want to experience peace in your life, here's what you have to do. You have to master your fear. You have to master your fear. Because that's the only way. Because uh, let me tell you something. If you belong to Jesus Christ, then you have no reason to fear. You have no reason to fear. Why? Because there's no, you don't dread the future. Because your future is secure. Because you know the one who holds the future. There's, there's no reason to be afraid. The last thing that the angels told the shepherds was peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What was the first thing they said? Two words. What were they? Fear not. That was the first two words that the angel said to the shepherds. Fear not. See, before they got the peace, they had to get rid of the fear. The fear had to go. But you know what? If you are afraid today, I don't know what you're afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of finances. Maybe you're afraid of a person. Maybe you're afraid that your marriage isn't going to work. Maybe you're afraid you're going to, I don't know, your dog's sick. I don't know. But you're afraid of something. Okay? You know whose reason, you know whose fault it is that you're afraid? It's your fault. It's my fault. But I'm afraid, and the only person I have to blame is myself. There are many professing Christians that have some kind of faint, rudimentary faith and, and who, who don't have the peace of God in their life. They're saved, they're Christians, but they don't experience the peace of God. Why? Because they're afraid. Because they have fear. Because they don't understand that they don't have to be afraid anymore. You know, it, here's another thing I'd like to say. If you're not sure you're right with God, how can you have peace? How can you have peace if you don't have a right relationship with the Lord? You don't know what it's like to have to have your 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 uh, to possess satisfied desires or to have have prayers answered. How in the world can you know what it's like to have the peace of God? At that point, the world can still shake you. The world can still disturb you. The world can still scare you because you're afraid because you don't have a firm grasp on Jesus Christ. Let me read for you Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always at my right hand, therefore I shall not be moved. See, that's the key. That's the key to peace. You you know the key to peace? Here it is right here. The key to peace. No fear. No fear. That's the key to peace. Let me tell you something. One day there will be peace on earth. There will be. It won't be on this earth. It'll be on the next one. 
But there will be peace one day. Isaiah eleven six: The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. That's the kind of peace that I'm going to have to look forward to. The lion laying down with the lamb. Like I said, it won't be on this earth. It'll be on the next one. And only those who are born again will get to see it. They're the only ones who will get to see it. Now, I got a couple, I got a couple questions here. Number one, are, are you missing peace in your life? Well, you know, Jesus is the peace. He is. And if you don't have peace this morning, it's either number one, you don't have peace because you don't have Jesus. Because that's the only way you can have peace is to have Jesus Christ. Or number two, you are a Christian and you're not at peace. You're not at peace in yourself. You're not at peace in other aspects of your life. And you don't understand it. You said, I thought I'm saved. I thought I'm a Christian. Why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling scared? Why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling alone? Because you're afraid. And you ain't got to be. The key to peace is no fear. That fear can come from the outside. It can come from an external source. It can come from a person. It can come from a relationship. Or that fear can manifest in your heart and come out that way. Hey, but whatever it is, you don't have to fear. You can, you, if you're saved, you have the peace of God in you. But the only way you're going to experience it is if you drop your fear. Because you don't have to be afraid. Because you know the one that can save you from the, that, that, has, that holds your future. Hey, you know what? You fix your fear by getting closer to God. The closer you get to God, the less you're afraid. The more you read your Bible, the less you're afraid. The more you pray, the less you're afraid. It's, it's the closer you get to God, the less fear you have. What did the angels say? Peace on earth. Not peace the way the world sees it. But you can have peace today. Last question. Do you have peace? Are we about every eye closed? No one looking around. Just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. If you're in here today and you don't know 100% that you're on your way to heaven, you can uh, come down here and I'll take a Bible and I'll show you how you can know you're going to heaven. Maybe you're in here today and you're not experiencing the peace of God in your life. Maybe instead you're experiencing anxiety. Maybe instead you're experiencing depression. Maybe instead you're experiencing fear. I don't know. A multitude of things can keep you that you can experience because you're afraid. And because you're not experiencing the peace of God. Why don't you ask God to show you the peace? Say, God, I know I'm a Christian. I know I've got it in me. Help me to feel it. Help me to see it. Take my fear away. Because I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to be afraid of my finances. I don't want to be afraid of my relationships. I don't want to be afraid of my health. Lord, I don't want to be afraid anymore. Give me peace today. I guarantee you if you ask him for it, he wants to give it. He doesn't want to hide it from you. He doesn't want to keep it from you wants you to have it but you got to seek it out 
you got to ask for it. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for today. The Lord, I pray that you be with the message today. Be with the people. Be with all of us, Lord. We all, it's, it's so easy even for me to stand up here and say, don't be afraid. But Lord, also even for me, it's very hard to live that. It is because we're human beings and we're, we're scared people, Lord. But Lord, you haven't given us a spirit of fear. Lord, you want us to experience peace. Help us to experience that peace as a people. For us, it's in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed. Please stand to your feet as the music begins to play. You do what the Lord has laid on your heart.